Patrick here with some exciting news. We now have 10 local communities of engineering leaders hosting in-person meetups all over the world. Yes, you heard that right. There are 10 local communities in cities all over the world. These groups are led by engineering leaders just like you who wanted to create a place to connect, to share insights, and tackle critical challenges in the job. To get involved, go to elc.community. Sign up if you haven't already. If you have signed up, make sure you update your location and we'll get you plugged in. We're launching local events all the time. You can find them and get involved again at elc.community. Getting the alignment of the different stakeholders, they buy in, and being able to measure and show the results, I think it's the biggest challenge that engineer leaders are facing right now with AI. Hello and welcome to the Engineering Leadership Podcast, brought to you by ELC, the engineering leadership community. I'm Jerry Lee, founder of ELC. And I'm Patrick Gallagher, and we're your hosts. Our show shares the most critical perspectives, habits, and examples of great software engineering leaders to help evolve leadership in the tech industry. In today's business world, AI is imperative to gain a competitive advantage. Yet according to McKinsey Research, only 8% of companies have integrated AI into their core practices in a way that can support widespread adoption. And chances are, if you're listening to this episode, that might be you. And if that is you, you're in the right place. This episode with Maya Brenner is all about helping you begin your AI journey. Our conversation covers the fundamentals of building an AI organization. We'll talk about the most painful problems that you'll face as an engineering leader with building an AI organization, how to build your AI roadmap and understand the return on investment, how to break down massive AI ML projects, and we're talking the multi-year kind of projects, into smaller proof-of-concept experiments. And we'll also cover how to accelerate all of these different phases of your AI ML strategy. So let me introduce you to Maya. Maya Brenner is an AI specialist at Trio Labs. What that means is she consults with companies to help them maximize the full potential of data science and machine learning to solve their business problems. Maya's AI ML projects have covered everything from demand forecasting, price optimization, customer segmentation, and natural language processing. So she's seen tons of different applications. And not only that, but she's seen applications across a number of different industries. So industries like retail, finance, pharmaceuticals, logistics, transportation, hospitality, education, and many more. And beyond all of that, she's also working on the AI for Social Good initiative and other programs to use AI to improve public education and gender inequality. So she has so many great insights and stories to share from so many different industries. So with that, enjoy our conversation with Maya Brenner. I think just to speak to the person listening into this conversation, the thing that's going in their head is probably something along the lines of this. I know I need to invest in AI, and I'm probably getting a ton of pressure from the C-level executives to figure this thing out, but I have no idea where to begin. Do I start with a data scientist? Do I bring in a platform or service? What do I do and where do I begin? And so, Maya, welcome to the Engineering Leadership Podcast. Thank you for being here to help us answer this question for the members of our community. Thank you very much for for the invitation. It's a pleasure for me to be here. Absolutely. So I think before we get into the topic, Maya, can we talk a little bit more about Trio Labs first and just get introduced to the company and what you do? And so can you give us a little more about the origin story of why did Trio Labs first get started and how did you all get involved in the AI ML space? Yeah, sure. So 
Try it out. Started as a crazy idea from three friends, three Uruguayan friends, Ernesto, Martina, and Raúl, who were thinking on not starting an AI machine learning consulting firm as it is today, but they were definitely thinking that AI would be a great impact to, to several different businesses and they knew how to apply some kind of AI and Python to different problems. So they started thinking, okay, how can we start working on this and how we can help other companies make use of this new technology? So this started more than 10 years ago and there's like an internal discussion whether it was our 11th birthday this year or 12th birthday because they started in, in a garage and so when is the official start date of the company it's not very clear but anyway it was long ago so it's even crazy to think that by that time when they started trialouts there was no Kaggle machine learning competitions the ImageNet uh, dataset was still not released. There were many things in, in the AI space that we know nowadays as the normal thing that we talk about that were still not there. So I think they had a great vision and they started working with Silicon Valley early adopters, mostly startups from Uruguay serving those companies, but right now we have more than 60 people working from Uruguay. We also have offices in Luxembourg and San Francisco. Most of the clients still are in the US, but we're seeing a lot of adoption from other regions as AI is getting everywhere. So from the European market, from the Asia market, we are also seeing a lot of adoption. And thankfully right now from Latin America and South America itself, we are also seeing that there's great interest into getting into becoming an AI organization. I'm a little bit like, wow, it's been almost 10 years since the organization's been around. It's like, this is really early, early AI, like very early adopter trend. So you mentioned Trial Labs is about AI consulting and helping people learn how to leverage AI as a technology within their businesses. Can you speak a little bit more to the problem that Trial Labs typically helps companies solve? What's the focus of Trial Labs? Like, what are some of the problems that you all have supported different companies with? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because I think there's different problems that we help to tackle with AI, but also different stages in which companies reach us out and that we start engaging. So some of them are in the really early steps into defining what's the best AI strategy and roadmap. So we help them into identifying those potential use cases and diving into those ones. And others already come with a very specific idea of where they already know they can apply AI. So we help them in the development of those solutions. So we like to call ourselves like end-to-end -end AI developers because from the very beginning of defining the idea or the roadmap of the project as to the very end of developing and making sure that that project and that development that we did is put in, into production and that we are there to support in the whole process. So that's like in the different stages. And in terms of like the verticals, as we call them, we, we have like three main areas of expertise that are within the AI spectrum, but it's everything that has to do with computer vision solutions, that's understanding and analyzing video and images. Then 
everything that has to do with natural language processing, so understanding text and audio too. And then what we call predictive analytics solutions, that's everything that has to do with forecasting tabular data. So there are applications such as price optimization, demand forecasting, supply chain optimization, solutions that, that we build within that vertical. That's great. Thank you. I think you were sharing a bit about the history of Trial Labs. So you all have seen a lot of things in the space, a lot of challenges, and have supported people through a lot of difficult applications of the technology. Can you share a little bit about, like, from your perspective, what are some of the most painful problems that you're seeing engineering leaders face when it comes to building AI capabilities? What are some of the high friction areas that are really challenging for people right now? I think, as you name it at the very beginning, there's like a really big push as to develop AI, but people don't really know how to do it. And it, for engineers, leaders nowadays, difficult to get the buy-in from several different stakeholders as to be able to invest in that and measure and show the results of what you're doing. So everyone is saying, okay, we should be investing in AI, but then when it comes to the moment in which we have to define which is the project, how many people do we have to put in the project, the resources, the investment we need to have. It's like, I'm not sure because I'm not sure what I'm going to get from that. So in general, engineer leaders or other areas in terms of engineering, it's very certain the output you will get from the investment you are doing. But when it comes to AI, there's like a very big uncertainty of what's the result and the outcome you may get, because it will definitely depend on the data that you have and the skills and even on the problem and the solution you're building, you, you may not have like the exact outcome you, you will get. So getting the alignment of the different stakeholders they buy in and being able to measure and show the results, I think it's the biggest challenge that engineer leaders are facing right now with AI. Thank you. To summarize the challenge here, because I think you really captured some of just like the dynamics at play that make this a really difficult thing. One is, first off, people just don't know how to go through the development process. The second is that like the alignment and the buy-in and that the stakeholders you're working with may not know the value. And then the third being that the uncertainty of the result that you produce may or may not yield the intended outcome that you want to start with. That is a really difficult environment to operate in. Like I can see why that is a really painful challenge for people to navigate. And so I think specifically speaking for the first one of like, a lot of people want to develop, but may not know the clear pathway to do it. I was wondering if we could start and dive into the fundamentals here of where people should begin with this. So can you share a little bit more about when you all are getting ready to or consulting and working with other organizations to start their AI project or to build out an AI capability? What are the fundamentals here to building out your AI organization? So first of all, I think the most important Part of it is to demystify AI. We need to understand what are we talking about AI and understand that it's not a silver bullet that will, from day one, erase all the problems you have and magically solving everything. So that's not what artificial intelligence will do. But we have to demystify and get everyone else to understand what are the kind of problems that AI can and which one cannot be solved with AI. And I think apart from demystifying is, as I said, like getting the buy-in and getting everyone to be aligned on what AI can get as a result and build the confidence and onboard all the workers 
at every level because there's really this idea in everyone's head that AI is here to replace us, the humans, and that AI will probably end up with our jobs. And I think it's very important to start building that confidence that AI is not here as to replace us or to diminish our work, but it's going to be able to enhance what we are doing as maybe automatizing some very repetitive work or some tasks that do not need much of human creativity. But there's a lot of things that definitely where humans will definitely be giving a lot of values when having to crack the problem, define what's the problem and define the solutions and being able to, as I said, use creativity and use our imagination as to solve those problems. And maybe more repetitive tasks that do not need much of that creativity will be able to be automatized. And so we will be able to all take more value of our work. So I would say starting by building the confidence at all entry all company levels, that's like the first thing to be doing in the organization if you want to become an AI organization. You mentioned integrating into the core of the business and helping people understand like how do you actually integrate AI into the core of their business? Is there an example or maybe like a like a common misconception where the business wants AI to do X? but it's not integrated into their business. Can you help us better understand what does it look like to actually have that conversation where you're integrating AI or ML into the core business? Because I feel like that may be a trap for like a strategic partner to be like, okay, we want all the benefits of the solution, but we don't actually want to do the work to integrate it into the core product. Can you help us understand a little bit about the distinction or what that looks like? Yeah, maybe like one example that comes up to my mind is a project I've been working before shifting to this new role as a machine learning engineer, it was on, on a price optimization project. And so when I think a lot of people are thinking, okay, we should be using AI for doing dynamic pricing, price optimization. I don't know. We know Amazon is changing prices very, very often. So we want to do that. And then I think many times like business people do not realize how sensible it is to be changing the price of what you're selling. So they are like willing to do AI and do something like magical in terms of having something being changed more often, but it's not that they really want to change their pricing strategy. So at the very end, they may say, okay, we are just following competition. And it's like, okay, but we are not optimizing the solution. We are just like doing it faster than what you're manually doing, but it's not that it's going to get into the core of your business. And so in order to get an optimal pricing solution, you will probably need to be aligned with the supply chain and logistics team as to understand how much inventory do you have in stock. You have to work with the marketing team as to define what are the promotions that are being run at each moment in time. You need to work with the business and the market analysts as to understand what's going on in the market. And you need to align with a lot of pieces. It's not only like plug and play with a new software as to see how price changes often, but to have like everyone aligned into that, that's going to be very core to your business. That's an incredible example because I think it's not just about changing prices, but it's changing all of the other functions in the organization to leverage the the strategic benefits that happen when you do that. 
that's a great example. Thank you. The other thing I, w- I was curious about, because like you're coaching people around like the problems that can and can't be solved all the time, or at least like communicating like what can and can't be done. Do you have any tips or things that you do to educate people around what can and can't be solved with AI or ML? Is there anything that comes to mind or, or tips or strategies that you could share with us there? Yeah, I think, for instance, when you think about computer vision tasks or natural language tasks, it's all about like something that the computer or you may be looking at an image or maybe looking at a certain text. And so if there's something that just by looking or just by pressing a button or such, you can do very, very fast and you can understand from that, having a look, what's the output you have to do? That's probably something that can be automatized. So we like to say, like, if there's something very, a task that is very repetitive that you can do in five seconds, so probably that could be automatized with AI. So for instance, if you're having a look at an image and you need to retouch, like the image has to take out the background, and that takes you like five seconds as to do, or maybe 10 seconds, an AI algorithm will probably be able to do it in less than 10 seconds and you won't need that. Or for instance, if you need to have a look at a new clothing and see is it authentic or not, it's not authentic and you just have a look at it and you understand it, probably that's something that AI can do. Or the the simplest example is like, okay, I get to see a cat and a dog and I can perfectly well identify which one is a cat and which one is a dog. That's kind of the things that AI can definitely do. So when you're working with different companies to help them define their use cases, are you sitting down with them and sort of going through like, okay, these specific tasks that your team are working on are happening under five seconds and we could probably figure out a way to automate this with AI ML. Is is that what that conversation looks like when you're working with different partners? Yeah, definitely. So when we start on on these like AI roadmap kind of projects or AI strategy projects, one of the most important part is to understand like the business and the main pain points. So we organize different focus groups or different interviews with different company groups and teams as to understand what are the kind of tasks they are doing and which ones of those they identify as the pain points. So from there, we we can take ideas and we start them brainstorming on what kind of solutions we could be working and very much into a design thinking approach as to think of solutions integrated with, with the business experts and doing everything like side by side, because at the end of the day, the people that are working on the business and the, they are on the day-to-day are the ones that better understand what and what cannot be done once we explain like what AI can do and cannot do. So those are our champions that identify those use cases. You mentioned road mapping. I definitely want to dig into that a little bit further. But before then, you helped us understand kind of the core fundamentals of building an AI organization. And I think you'd mentioned that it is not a plug and play technology. And I feel like that's a misconception. Like that's a pitfall that somebody could have. I know for me, I'm like, oh, like it's something you can just like, it's a pretty box. You put it into the thing and it works. Are there other pitfalls that people typically bring to this conversation about integrating AI into their organization that you could call out for us? Yeah, I think one of the main pitfalls that people in general end up getting into is thinking that more data, it's, go- it's always going to be better. So, okay, we don't have enough data. So the, the issue here is that we need to get more more and more data. And so we may go and, and buy different data sources and such. And I think that's 
like a really, really bad misconception because the data needs to have certain quality because in AI and in all data science applications, we know that garbage in, it's going to be garbage out. So if your data and the more data that you gather, it's not the good quality and it's not representative of what you want to do then. So probably having more will only make it even more difficult because you will probably take more time as to analyze that data and understand how bad it is. So in general, I think like the common pitfall is like thinking of a really, really big project or really big application with a lot of, lot of data and getting into big data platforms and such. And I think many times it's way better as to start with something small and be able to show and measure the results with that small problem, small project that it's at the end of the day, very valuable. Patrick here with some exciting news. We now have 10 local communities of engineering leaders hosting in-person meetups all over the world. Yes, you heard that right. There are 10 local communities in cities all over the world. These groups are led by engineering leaders just like you who wanted to create a place to connect, to share insights, and tackle critical challenges in the job. To get involved, go to elc.community. Sign up if you haven't already. If you have signed up, make sure you update your location and we'll get you plugged in. We're launching local events all the time. You can find them and get involved again at elc.community. When I imagine building out an AI capability, I imagine a huge long time horizon project that requires a huge investment. How do you break that down and, and start small? Like, Do you have an example of maybe what that looks like to take this big AI capability project and break it down to one small experiment to do that can help showcase the business impact? Yeah, certainly. So one of the projects I mentioned before that was in terms of price optimization was from one of the largest travel retailer company in the world. They have more than 100 stores and they have hundreds of thousands of SKUs as to optimize. And they knew they could like get a benefit from making their pricing strategy more data-driven and optimizing that pricing strategy. They had that gut feeling. They weren't sure like how much to what extent that AI solution could help them leverage. So they were expecting like an increase in 1% in gross margin and they would be happy with that. So we started and say, okay, we know there's a lot of room for improvement here and there are thousands of hundreds of SKUs we can start working with, but we need to get the right mindset and the experimental approach as to make sure that we're going in the right direction. So we started defining a POC, so a proof of concept project that was only taking into consideration 150 SKUs. So it was pretty small in terms of the number of SKUs, but it was very much designed in an experimental way as to be able to measure and show the results that that experiment would have. So we had two different stores. So one we use it as a control store and the other one as a, as a treatment store. And they were in different airports. So it was in terms of experimental design, the ideal, because they were completely independent. People couldn't move from one to, to the other, knowing that prices were lower in one from the other. And so we started with that experiment. We optimized 150 SKUs. We did all the system has to be scalable for more SKUs. And in that particular case, we were able to showcase that the price optimization solution with AI increased the gross margin by 28%. So they were expecting a 1% increase because they had the gut feeling, but we could show them that 
there was pretty a lot of room for improvement. And so I think having that experiment and mindset at the beginning was like the way to start building that capability. And of course, the POC, it was small, but the system and the approach and everything that we were developing was able to scale to thousands of hundreds of KUs, and that's what they're doing right now. So I think that's kind of how you can think of that big, big problem getting into something way smaller. I mean, the results from that are staggering. Yeah, in terms of how long that would take. So you would think, okay, optimizing and changing all prices for everything and integrating this system with the hundreds of thousands of stores I have in several different continents and such would take like ages to perform. So the POC took almost three months. And then obviously you will have time to integrate that to different systems and different stores and such. But being able to have like a result and have everyone convinced by three months that this is working is way better than having to wait for two years as to see whether it has worked or not. I think that's such a great point for the three months. And I'm so blown away, like a 28x result they had an expectation of 1% improvement and you were able to deliver 28% improvement. Like that to me would be a jaw dropping if I'm reading that results of like, should I invest in this? Like that seems like it'd be a pretty loud yes. No, one point of that is like, we were also surprised, right? Because as I said, like there's a lot of uncertainty when you get into this project. So we cannot promise anyone will get a 28% increase in gross margin because all processes, all strategies and all data will be pretty much different in all cases. So we were also even surprised by this. And then at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter whether it was 25 or 29 or something around it. There's room for improvement. And we are going into that direction of improving. This is going to work. If you're not applying any data-driven strategy or machine learning AI capabilities, there probably is room for improvement with this technology. Definitely. How much iteration happens to the model after that first experiment's results? Like, are you dramatically changing or, or tweaking or adjusting it? If you achieve 28x the result that you're expecting, what happens after that? So in general, how we scope project, it has like three phases. So the first one would be the business understanding and data understanding, cleaning and preparation. So everything that has to, to do with getting your data ready. Then the machine learning uh, development. So there you will have a lot of different experiments and different things to test out and think it's not that you have one model that you know that it's going to be working, but you have to try out with the data that you have, what other feature, what other data that you can integrate. And so you're already experimenting and trying out different things within that phase. And then what we call the experimental phase in which we are testing it out in the, in the field, right? And so even when you're testing it out on the field, you're still iterating to improving the model. And I think it's very much related to like, the business and the marginal improvements you may get. So if you ask a machine learning engineer, they would probably always tell you they need another sprint as to improve the model. And there's a lot of things that could be improved and that are not perfect. But many times the marginal increase of that improvement will not move the needle. So at some point you need to say, okay, this is good enough. And probably you will have to retrain the model with new data, with the latest trends and such. But maybe not investing in really fine-tuning that model into 
the most detailed thing because you may not ever end up improving that, right? And so I think it's being able to balance the trade-off of, okay, what's the investment you're going to be doing into improvement and what's the, the return you may get from that improvement. Maya, we've been talking a lot about like how to help educate the company on AI use cases, ways that you've measured impact in the past and designed experiments around like the price optimization here. Are there other considerations that you have for determining the feasibility impact and ROI of different AI initiatives? Like, are there other elements for your framework for how you would approach scoping out that different initiatives? Yeah, I think on what we were talking before of being able to measure the marginal impact or increase that the investment will have, it has always to be related to the business metrics, right? So imagine that we are improving, as I said, in 1% this solution into gross margin, we are always translating the technical metric into a business metric that has to make sense in, in terms of the business. So if you are re reducing cost, the solution shouldn't be aiming us to be the most precise, but to be able to impact in, in the business metric. So I think making that translation is very important as to define which one is the use cases that you should be investing. So you, you need to analyze those in terms of the technical feasibility, how difficult it is, and what's going to be the business impact that having that solution will provide you with. That definitely makes sense. I had a question about metrics and measuring some of the KPIs. So you talk about measuring like the business impact, and then I have to imagine like there's some sort of measurement around whether or not the AI ML model that you're using is working as well. Are there any KPIs that you found to be effective for AI goals for an organization? Yeah, certainly. So for instance, I'm thinking out of a project we were working last week in which there were like three different models in terms of image classification and object detection that we were testing out. And there was like a huge discussion whether we should be optimizing for precision or recall in terms of what's worse in terms of customer engagement. If we have a lot of false positive in, instead of not having the false negatives. And so it was very technical in terms of, of what was the discussion about, but it has a lot to do with how people will interact with with a solution and what's going to be the, the engagement they will have. But then another metric that they came into, I was like the throughput. So how long it will take for a certain model to be performing or doing inference in production. And so those are kind of the things that we always need to consider and to be aligned with the business expert, because maybe the, the best model that we are trying out and the, and the best solution that we have from the technical point of view, it's, a, but then when we use it in, in with our clients and customers, they are expecting to see B in terms of, I don't know, the time it will take to render certain outcome or the kind of explainability tools they want to see when, when interacting with these models. So I think it's always important to have in the table people from the business side, if you're designing a product, so product managers that know how uh, customers will use your final product with the technical team because if you're only pursuing technical metrics and so machine learning optimization metrics you'll probably be blinded into what will be needed in terms of, of the client or final customer so kpis from my perspective should always be set from the business side and aligned with the technical team can we talk about roadmaps and 
how to start to build a roadmap to help people build out their AI organization. Where do you start and how do you approach building a roadmap? So to start thinking of the roadmap, we have to get a very good understanding of, of the business and what are the pain points. So starting by having a look ar around us, like what are the processes, what are the pain points, what, what are things, people or tasks that people are doing within your organization that you think could be done in a better way if we're using more data-driven approach. So that may be having focus groups, interviews, or just watching people day-to-day -day work. That's like the first step. I would say that probably will take like three, four weeks as to be able to understand what's going on. It really depends on the size of the company, how many different teams you have working with. And then assessing once you have identified those pain points and what could be potential use cases for AI, you need to assess the, the feasibility. And as we said, not only the feasibility, so is this possible to be done or not, but also to see what's going to be the impact. So if we are able to solve this and say that we automatize this process that takes three people 20 hours per day, we multiply it by X amount of days in the year. So what, what's the, the business impact this solution will have? Looking for that project or that use case that will provide impact and that it's feasible to be done, it's, I think, the step to go as not to engage and commit to a very, very big project that it's going to be very difficult to put in production and also to show the results it has. Then once you have identified that lowest hanging fruit, starting building a, a POC to prove the concept and to see whether what you have thought could be a good solution is indeed a, a good solution. So Starting with an end-to-end -end baseline model, I think it's the best thing to go. And as I said, if, if you ask a machine learning engineer, they probably say oh, this will take months to develop, but we need just like the baseline approach and then we'll have time to continue iterating to have improvements on that. But probably that would take like also a couple of weeks as to have like the end-to-end -end baseline solution. And then continue to iterate and, and test and learn, right? So once you have that baseline model, you test it out in a bunch of products or clients and, and you see how it's going and you perform some experimental approaches to measure whether it's better or worse for what you have been doing so far. And then continue to iterate and, and, and learn from that experience. And if you already have proved the concept for that one, you will probably be able to grab another project and start this uh, like iterative cycle as to start again with the POC, uh, start again with the experimental approach, showing that it has an impact and then continue to, to improve and build on top of that. I'm listening to you share the approach to how to build a roadmap and I'm like, man, that sounds so easy. But I have to imagine like, in the details of all of that is where the challenges come into play when it comes to identifying where do you even start? Can we even do this? And what experiment do we do to prove the concept? Yeah, I think maybe one thing that I forgot to mention is being able to have people ongoing that process several many times will allow you to continue to grow that muscle, that internal uh, capabilities, and people will already have takeaways, learnings, and a lot of retros of what has worked and what has not worked that, that fine. And that's the way in which you will be able to continue to grow uh, your internal capabilities. Absolutely. So, Mai, you've walked us through the fundamentals and the pitfalls and 
even now just sharing on how to build a roadmap. And I think at the beginning, you mentioned like what Trio does is support people through this whole end-to-end process, whether, you know, people are just starting and have no idea how they want to integrate AI into their organization, all the way to helping people who have a specific use case and want to develop a solution. And so you all are really experienced with being able to help people through all different phases of this process. Can you give us a, a little bit more insight into what does that look like to bring in a partner like Trio to be this sort of accelerating force within the organization? I think bringing a partner Trio is like, as you said, like accelerating, but also growing your, your internal muscle because we are working always side by side with, with our client. It's not that we are like separated team in your organization, but we are there side by side with it even though we, we are right now remote, but we can feel that, that closeness to our clients as to be able to understand the business. And then we sharing our experience and knowledge on, on how we have solved these kind of problems and uh, the technology we use on our end. So we not only help in the acceleration of developing the use cases, but also in the process of building that capabilities internally. So in some cases, we even help hire data science leaders if they haven't done that before. And in cases that in which they already have data scientists or data science leaders and teams, we are always working side by side as to share our experience and our knowledge as to all be able to grow together into being better AI professionals in, in the field. And that's part of what you can expect of engaging with trials. It's learning about good practices in, in AI and being able to test out very fast the ideas that you may have in-house and then being able to continue to develop many other use cases because as we always say, like there's not going to be a, a stone and turn that will not get touched by AI and it's going to be probably in all industries and in all business probably everywhere. And if somebody wanted to learn more about Trio or to stay in touch, what would you recommend people do? Is there a website you want to point people to or, or how can people follow up and, and stay in touch with Trio? Yes, certainly. So we have our website, triolabs.com. We also have a blog post in which we always share like this kind of experiences. And it's in some cases, it's pretty technical, but I encourage people to dive into the, the blog process. And we also have our email, hello at trialabs.com, in which you can reach out to us or even you can reach out to me. It's pretty easy. My email is maya at trialabs.com. So very open as to discuss. Even if you don't have the particular use case in mind, you want to hear more about what's going on in the industry, what other players are doing regarding AI on the business industry you're working with, we are very happy to connect. And we also continue to learn every day from new clients and customers of, of the problems and challenges they are facing. So we are very open and glad to stay in touch and be connected to learning more. Thank you, Maya. And I've certainly learned a lot from your all's blog posts. Everything from developing AI capabilities to the case studies that you all share are really, really fascinating. So definitely great things to check out. Maya, I just want to say thank you again for an incredible conversation and helping guide us through what can be a challenging and confusing and difficult journey to build an organization with a challenging technology like artificial intelligence. Like To build that out for the first time is a big hurdle. So thank you so much for being a guide for our community to help people understand how to approach this tricky problem. So Maya, thank you so much. 
Thank you very much for the opportunity to share our experience. If you're ready to own your AI strategy, check out our friends at Trio Labs. You can find them at triolabs.com and that's T-R-Y-O-L-A-B-S.com. You can also find that link in our show notes. See you next time on the Engineering Leadership Podcast. Thank you.